Today on episode number 608 of the School of Podcasting, he's back, the one and only Glenn the Geek Hebert, and he's going to give us some tips on how to choose and work with a co-host and wait till you hear his awesome Because of My Podcast stories, and I'm going to tell you about the times when stats don't mean a thing. Hit it, ladies! The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning personal podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome aboard. I am so glad you're here. If you're one of my new friends from social media marketing world, thanks for following me over here. Here's what I do. I take my 20 plus years of helping people understand technology and I help you massage your message. I help you tackle that technology. I help you face your fears, flatten a learning curve, and get you podcasting, but not just podcasting, because look, you can go watch a bunch of old outdated YouTube videos and do that. I get you going in the right direction, in a headache-free zone. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start, you can use the coupon code LISTENER and sign up right now for either a monthly or yearly package. I look forward to working with you, and I am back from social media marketing world And it was a blast. I'm going to talk a whole lot more about this next week, but it was like no event I've ever been to ever. It just, every time you turn around, you're like, what? And the details, it was just crazy where you just kept walking in. It was like, almost like the Wizard of Oz. You would open up a door and go, wait, what? We're doing what? Where? What? Huh? It's crazy. I have some future guests coming on this show with phenomenal, like, wow kind of stories. That's really, really cool. And I also will be speaking at an event in Australia in the future. So Dave's got to update his portfolio. That wouldn't have happened had I not gone to this event. And are you ready for this? First of all, the opening night is on an aircraft carrier that is like... I know it's a big boat, but it's like a really big boat. Tons of fun. And I'm hanging out with Harry Duran. I'm hanging out with Ray Ortega. I'm hanging out with all these great people. And uh, John Lee Dumas comes over and says, hey, we're going to this kind of after party at this place called Prohibition. It's like a speakeasy. So it's me, Michael O'Neill from the Solopreneur Hour. He's been on the show. John Lee Dumas, Kate Erickson. By the way, Kate Erickson one of the coolest, nicest people you will ever meet. And actually, all these people I just mentioned, what you hear on their podcast is what you get. Ton of fun. And it's Harry Duran from Podcast Junkies, uh, Natalie Jennings, who's this awesome photographer. And we head over to this place, and it's the first club I've ever been to. We have to like, there's actually a velvet rope. We get down there, and it's like a local like blues jam like open mic night for musicians. Well, Michael O'Neill is a phenomenal drummer. And he's like, yeah, put your name down, buddy. I'm like, I don't have a guitar. It's like, all right. So I talked to some people like, hey, can I play your guitar? And to make a very long story short, with Michael O'Neill on drums, me on guitar, some really talented bass player and a really talented keyboard player. And oh yeah, the saxophone player from Pink Floyd. What, what, what? do just like this impromptu blues jam. Now, I'm not much of a singer, but they didn't have one, so I took over. Well, I was born on the back side. I've been down since I began to crawl. 
There's video proof of this, and I'll put links out in the show notes. Extra special thanks to Harry Duran from podcastjunkies.com for being an awesome uh, filmographer. And uh, I'm sure because she took pictures, Natalie Jennings is just a phenomenal photographer, and she's got some pics of me playing guitar. So without even seeing them, I can just tell you they're phenomenal because Natalie doesn't take junk. She's an amazing photographer. And uh, his hilarities and hysterics uh, followed. It was a great night. And so part of going to these events, he said transitioning, is that networking. And you know where a great place to network is? That's right. (laughs) Podcast movement. That's right. It's the world's largest gathering of new and veteran podcasters or really anyone looking to start their own podcast in the right direction. You can join over 2,000 podcasters from around the world in Philadelphia. When is it, Dave? It's July 23rd through the 26th. That's right. Three days. Three days of workshops, panels, parties, and more. The great thing about it, if you're not sure, well, is there, I'm going to learn anything from this? Yeah, they're going to have over 100 sessions on topics ranging from the technical aspects of setting up your equipment and the audio production to marketing. Of course, you got to tell people about your stuff. And then if you want to, how to monetize your show, that's going to be there. Then, if that's not enough, that's right. But wait, there's more. The Expo Hall features over 60, 60 podcast service and equipment providers. So whether you're in the mood for a new microphone or if you're trying to figure out where to host your podcast, anyone who matters is going to be there in the vendor hall. Anyone who matters is going to be there. And that includes you. It's July 23rd through the 26th in Philadelphia, PA. I was talking to somebody on the plane back and she'd been to to, uh, the conference I just mentioned. I guess I can say that in the middle of an ad for podcast movement. It was at social media marketing world. I said, Hey, you coming to podcast movement? She's like, no, she lives in Pennsylvania. And I'm like, come on, I'm going to be there. Let's uh, connect again. She was great fun. And uh, so she will be there July 23rd. Like I said, anybody who is anybody is going to be there July 23rd through the 26th, Philadelphia, PA, go to podcastmovement.com. Write this down. Use the coupon code SOP when you sign up and get $50 off any level of registration. Thank you, Podcast Movement. I got to hang out with Jared and Dan at the event that I just previously mentioned. So cool, guys. And it sounds like it's going to be a phenomenal event, like it always is, at podcastmovement.com. Use the coupon code SOP. Thanks for sponsoring the School of Podcasting. All right. Well, joining me, he's been on the show. I think this is appearance number five at this point. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. You're still having me back. I'm so impressed. <laughs> the one, the only. Wow, I just snorted. That was great. I'm trying to figure <laughs> out if I'm going to leave that in or not. I, I was going to say something. I decided not to. <laughs> America's horse husband from horseradionetwork.com, the one and only Glenn Hebert. Welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, it's good to be back. It's always fun to be on this show. And we haven't talked in a while. We got a lot to do. It has been a while. We kind of bumped into each other at PodFest, which is great. And then uh, you had the really hard job of running off to a cruise. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I didn't even get to stay for your roast because we had to get to Miami to the port. Yeah. So you're always doing fun things with your audience. How did this one come about? How long did you promote it? Give us the the skinny on if somebody wants to do a cruise. What are the ins and outs of that? Well, you know, this has to be one of my favorite because of my podcast stories that I've had in 10 years, just because it was so much fun. We decided that there was nobody doing cruises for horse people. And I didn't want it to be a 
you know me, I didn't want to work too hard. So it wasn't a seminars all day. It was nothing like that. We just build it. This is horse people can get together and go on vacation together. And that's how we build it. We called it the Horse Lovers Cruise. And we were hoping, I dealt with uh, MEI Travel, and, and she was terrific. Michelle from down on MEI Travel it was so easy. She did all the work, basically. Definitely get a travel agent if you're booking a cruise. So she did all the work. We were hoping we had 12 spots, six cabins reserved, and we ended up with uh, 20, I think it was 24 cabins with like 48 people. Wow. When we were done and we were up to almost 80 at one point and then people drop off because they can't afford it or whatever. And, you know, uh, they drop off along the way. I was really happy with 40. 40, it turned out to be the perfect number for our first time at this. And it was great because these are your super fans. People that are booking here are your super fans. So they know all your stories. They know everything about you. A scarily amount, by the way. I don't know if that's a word, but <laughs> uh, we, we discovered they knew a lot about us. And it was just so much fun. It was like going on a cruise with, with 40 of your friends. Uh, and we all sat together at dinner every night. We had like four tables of eight. And every, we made everybody rotate every night. So nobody sat with the same people every night. So they all got to know each other. They were hanging out together on the ship and ports. They were together. It just worked out beautifully. And of course, these are the super fans. So they have something in common to talk to talk about. And that's you, right? It's your shows and you. In our case, they had horses to talk about, too. They had that in common. And they brought their husbands and the husbands all had a great time. I heard a couple of the horse husbands did not want to come. They did not want to hang out with horse people. And they ended up having a blast and are, and are coming back next year. Nice. I think we did everything right on this one for our first one. We had one of our listeners had been on a cruise 10 times and her name's Rhonda and she's one of our, she's our only legacy listener. And what that means is she's listened to all 6,700 episodes since day one of the horse radio network. That's insane. Only one we know. (laughs) And she's been on a cruise 10 times. So we made her Julie, the cruise director from love boat. (laughs) And he was Julie the whole time in the private room we had on Facebook. She answered a thousand questions because 80% of the people, this was their first cruise. And the only reason they went was because they were going to be with other horse people and other listeners. And she answered all the questions. She was terrific. We ended up getting three free tickets uh, because of the amount of tickets we sold. And we gave one to her because she was so good. And, and she was terrific on the cruise. She was answering questions. People sort of gravitated to her because she knew her way around and what to, where to eat and what to do. And, and getting her involved was one of the best things we did. But it was just so much fun. We, we, did, uh, we did lanyards that were very light blue with that horse lovers cruise on them. Best thing we ever did. We gave them to everybody. Everybody got a gift pack when they came in with little goodies. We had a sponsors all donated stuff and we had a whole bag of goodies for everybody. And those lanyards, we saw them from across the ship. You know, it was one of your people and they were all talking to each other. It just worked out. We did a game show night where we played uh, Family Feud, got everybody to play at at one point. Everybody played Family Feud. And then we had donations from our sponsors and we gave away prizes that night, totaled almost uh, $1,500. But everybody in the room got a prize. And that's the only things we did that were formal. Ate dinner together, game show, no seminars, nothing. It just was vacationing with listeners. And it was a blast. It really was. I, 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 we're, we're already booking next year's. Nice. Yeah. It was, so it's just a fun because of my podcast story. Well, I understand we have a, a twin spin of because of my podcast stories. Of course, like you said, it's been a while since you've been on. It's been a while. You, yeah. you had another thing that happened because of your podcast. 
Yeah, we we belong to a group called the American Horse Publications, which is the journalists for the horse world. They all they have their own association. So it's an association for journalists in the horse world, magazines and websites and whoever does any journalism at all for the horse world. And we joined several years ago when they finally had a category that we could join, you know, because we're not really journalists. I consider us clowns on the, on the air. Right. But, um, we're entertainers and, and they find a kid, they finally did a category for podcasters. So we joined and we've been a member ever since. Well, now that podcasting is becoming hot. Uh, two years ago, I did a session at the, uh, at the national conference for this, this group on podcasting. And it was maybe 20 people there two years ago. They wanted to do a webinar now called podcasting for publications. And they had, we had 50 people there. Wow. Uh, it was just the other day I did it. It was a half an hour and I put a little presentation together, which I'll give you the link for, and you can put in your show notes because people can watch it. It's on YouTube. Nice. nice. So if they want to see that uh, presentation I did about why publications are getting into podcasting and why they should, uh, all of our new shows right now that have come on in the last year, maybe five of them are all publications. They're all magazines that want to do podcasting, but they don't have the time. They don't have the manpower. So they're coming to us to do the production and, and for the expertise. And they do it through the Horse Radio Network. And we do all the production for them. And that's all magazines. The advantage they have is they have a built-in audience already. They have subscribers. The other advantage they have is they already have advertisers they have relationships with. So for them to sell ads onto the a podcast is much easier than, than, we're, than us doing it cold. So they already have the two things that every podcaster dreams about, a built-in audience and built-in sponsors. Yeah. All they need now is somebody to talk, basically. Well, that's what my whole thing was about. It comes back and it's something we're going to talk about today. And our main topic is hosts. You know, that's something I emphasized a hundred times with them is you, you've got to have the right host because these become the voice of your brand. So it's got to be somebody that represents your brand, yet is still entertaining and fun. Because I don't know if you guys noticed, but a lot of writers and authors are not real good guests. No. Kind of boring. And so for, for the publications, that's the hardest thing they have to do is find somebody, may not even be somebody that's in their inner circle or an employee. They have to go outside a little bit to find that right person. Well, you have been um, kind of migrating through some new things over at the Horse Radio Network but tell us about your new show. And here's the fun thing about this is it's it's brand new and, and you are having manna from heaven fall from the sky. This is something that I thought was interesting. I wanted to do a show that was not horses. You know, it's been 10 years and 6,700 episodes. I needed to do, talk about something other than a horse for a while. Not that I don't enjoy what I do over there. I and also wanted to get out of the office. Right. I just needed to get out of this place. I, you know, it, 100 hours a week here just was getting to be too much in the house. So, Jemmy, I met at PodFest last year. And she was a podcaster and she's just bright and, and articulate and really sharp. And so we actually brought her on as the production manager for the Horse Radio Network. Well, she has her own network called the Florida Podcast Network. And I told her, I said, look, I want to do that. I want to do a travel show. And she said, I've been wanting to do a travel show forever. So she actually owns that show. She owns the show that we started called Finding Florida. And it's, it's the flagship show for the Florida Podcast Network. Nice. 
I'm her co-host, basically. And it is the most fun I've had in 10 years. We, we actually go on adventures. We go out and we did it a little differently. We didn't want it to be an interview show. I was tired of interview shows. I've done a few. And we didn't want it to be an interview show. We wanted to go out and actually live life and do things. So it became a show. We came up with this concept that we had to challenges. So each episode is a challenge. And it's can we get this certain number of things done at this location in one day? And it's usually 10 things. We have to accomplish 10 things in one day. And it's very difficult. Some of the things are not easy to do in one day. But we started, we were three episodes in, and she went to visit Florida, which is the umbrella organization for all tourism in Florida. By the way, Florida is the number one tourist destination in the world. We have tourism is our biggest business, and it's the number one in the world. So the tourism bureau here is huge and millions of dollars of budget. They run a conference every year where they get they get all these people together, like wholesalers meet retailers in the tourist world. And she she applied for press passes, and they they said, yeah, sure, you guys can come. They had her fill out a little form, and we went. They paid our way to go to Fort Lauderdale for three days, put us up in the Hilton overlooking Bill Gates' yacht, which was right outside of our window. Uh, gave us rooms at the Hilton, put us up, fed us for the three days. Completely different than anything I was used to in the horse world because they actually have money. And they spend it. And we got to meet everybody who was anybody in tourism in Florida. And they they said that we were the first, get this, Dave, we were the first podcasters to ever ask to come to this conference. And they were thrilled that they finally had a podcaster at this conference. Wow. How many travel podcasters are there? And nobody's ever thought to go to the, pod, to the conference that's the conference for travel in, in the state of Florida. Nobody ever thought to ask to go. And we got to meet everybody. By the way, not one person, you're going to love this because you know how I feel. Not one person asked us what our numbers were. That's amazing. And they are terrific. We just started. We had three episodes by the time we went. <laughs> so we have hundreds, you know, or thousands, probably low thousands. But, and that's only because I came with an audience and Jimmy did too. Right. But we, the low, very low numbers. Nobody ever asked. And since then now, we've been on several adventures and the tourist bureaus for each place we're going we, what, that we met there have arranged the entire thing. We just got done with Key West off, off the cruise. We, that was one of our stops and we did a show at Key West. The tourist people at Key West hooked us up with VIP passes that were worth $800 each that basically got us into anything we wanted to in Key West, including helicopter rides and boat rides and fishing excursions if you wanted, everything we wanted to do. She arranged all the interviews for the day, gave us an itinerary, five-page itinerary before we got off the ship and did that day. She had it all planned out for us. The tourist people did. The next one we're going on next weekend, same thing again. She's getting us into everything, putting us up at the hotel, and they're bo they're booking all the guests and basically arranging our day for us. So this, this adventure that went from costing us a little bit of money because it's travel is is now not costing us anything. And I think eventually that this show and this network, this the travel network we're building out of it will be more profitable than Horse Radio Network ever was. Wow. I'm, I'm so excited about it. And I get to get out of the house and do stuff. Well, I was going to say, all you have to do is is have some fun journeys and talk about them. Yep. And we record it. This we get this all the time because we're recording all day on these adventures, right. and then we piece it together. A lot of editing, more editing than I've ever done on any show, because we try and make it really tight. Mm -hmm. But she records with a Tascam. What is it? The forty that has the two mic inputs. Yeah, she records with that, and then I do a backup on my Samsung phone. 
<laughs> on, on a pr- program called HI-Q, HiQ. Mm-hmm. That's what I use for my recorder. We all, most of the time end up using my phone even though the Tascam recording sounds so good because it's two microphones and when you're doing interviews, you're right there. But the phone gives us more background noise. Mm. And for this type of show, you want to hear the boat. You want to hear the bus. You want to hear the people. You want to hear the people in the background of the bar. You want the noise. So we end up in a lot of the times using the phone recording because it's more background noise. Right. More ambiance. Yeah, the ambiance is what you want for a show like this. We found that it was almost too dead with the microphones. That's been an interesting experience, too. Here we go. You know, we have this, what, $400 worth of equipment over there, and I'm using my phone for most of it. <laughs> and this sounds really good. It does. I've done uh, I've done a couple of interviews on the floor where I'll be in a noisy, you know, at PodFest, and I just grab my phone, hit voice memo, and held the phone up in front of people, and I'm amazed at how well that sounds. It's like it's definitely... You know, it's pe- better than the recorders we used to pay years ago $400 for. That's <laughs> yeah, crazy. The moral of that story is don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask. We just asked. We asked the tourist people and they responded and now they all want to help us. We basically, every adventure we go on, we do one a month. We do two episodes a month about one adventure. And every adventure now is booked out for the rest of the year. And they're all dying to get us to come because they have no other podcasters asking. That's amazing. Especially in Florida. I mean, I, know. I think there'd be a million of them. <laughs> I know. But, I, you know, I think another lesson, too, is we didn't make our show like everybody else's. Mm. I, as far as I know, we're the only ones that are truly doing the thing we're doing with the challenges, uh. where we made it a game, basically. And then the listener follows along throughout the day to see if we can accomplish the goal. So they're going on the adventure with us. Oh. And I think that's what, like, the first one we did was we had to do 10 free things at Disney World using only Disney transportation and get it done in one day. So we were on boats and monorails and buses and just everything. We had it planned out, took us from seven 30 in the morning to 11 at night, but we accomplished those 10 free things. We were doing interviews with, and that's the fun part about our show is we're just interviewing strangers. We walk up and we say, how'd you like to be on the show? If they look like they're fun. And we interview them. We've interviewed people on the monorail with monorail car full of people. We're interviewing this guy who's going to get drunk at Epcot. I mean, that was his goal. And and we just met the coolest people doing the show. It, I, as you can tell, I've been having more fun with this than I have in, in a long time. It sounds like it. Wow. If somebody wants to go listen to that show. Finding Florida Podcast. That's there, what it's called. The FindingFloridaPodcast.com. There you go. But yes, uh, speaking of co-hosts and having fun, you've actually, you had a co-host leave who, I, I can't believe this is even possible, got a better gig. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I recently I had my first co-host Helena who I you probably I probably mentioned on this show before. She was my first co-host 10 years ago. She actually got a real job and like was making lots of money and working lots of hours. So she she had to bail out of podcasting at this point. And you know what? She's doing great. I just talked to her the other day. We're still best friends and she's having a blast. We had done shows together, Stable Scoop show for 10 years every week for 10 years. Uh, but she's, she's having fun now. She's in a different industry, actually out of horses, uh, and, and making a lot more money than she ever did, uh, in the horse world. Did you replace her then or on that show? No, we changed the show totally. It's still going, but, uh, we've kind of mixed it up and we're doing, we just went a different direction with it. So I don't have a co-host, and we're just doing shorter segments on that show. And it's gone up in numbers since we did that. Hmm. I, that's been interesting. I was waiting for a drop-off. Uh, but it's actually increased in numbers since we did that. But our numbers have increased overall, so I can't really tell if it's 
because we change direction or our numbers are just going up. Is, is that a case that maybe in the future, uh, I guess, depending on how things go, you might bring back a co-host and you thought maybe if I change the format and then go back to a co-host, it wouldn't be, you, you don't run into, I don't think as much as like, oh, comparing this co-host to the previous co-host because you had this time in the middle. That's what I was worried about. Yeah. Because she was so popular. And and to be honest, I had worked with her for 10 years. We did this. The show has been pretty much the same for 10 years. And I just, I wanted something different. I wanted some new challenges. Mm. So one of the things we do in that show is a story in micro fashion. Hmm. We do kind of a micro story about horses and history. And now I get to record that. We have them written by professionals, but I get to record them. And it's just we got to do different things that I've been wanting to do, but didn't have a vehicle to do it with. So for me, it's re-energized me too, rather than just finding a replacement co-host and starting over. Right. I didn't want to do that on that show. If, if you're looking for a co-host, like how do you know it's a good co-host? I wrote down seven things here. Okay. And... We have 34 hosts on the network now, some of which are my co-hosts, but all of which we work with because we do the recordings on all of them. We do producing on all. We edit all the shows. So, you know, there are people that we're intimate with. We have to work with. And, I, you know, I came with seven things. And the first one is the most important. You have to like each other. And I want to hear your feelings on this because you had many co-hosts on many shows through the years. You have to like each other a lot. The listener knows if you don't like each other. If you guys, if guys, men, women, whatever, yeah. if you're not getting along or if, if there's just a little bit of you don't like each other a lot, if there's not the chemistry there, by the way, that's the comment we get the most on the Finding Florida show is everybody says, you and Jimmy have unbelievable chemistry. It's like you've been working together for 30 years and we hadn't. You know, we this was our first show together, but yet the chemistry was there from day one. We just knew that we liked each other. In this case, we have to really like each other because we're traveling together. Yeah. You know, we liked each other from the beginning. We knew we got along. But chemistry, I think, is the most important thing with your coast. If you don't have chemistry, if you don't feel like I like this person and I want to work with them, if you don't feel like I would love to go to dinner with this person or I could go on a cruise with this person and their wife or whatever, the four of you go on a cruise together and really enjoy it. If you don't have that kind of passion, then I say that's not your co-host. I don't know. What do you think? Well, absolutely. The thing that makes the chemistry in some cases is the fact that you do like each other, but you're not identical. Like it's not, it's not a clone. I know for me, uh, one of my co-hosts is Jim Cullison for ask the podcast coach. And he's got, you know, years in coaching from working at Gallup and he's, he's got a whole different nerdy side to him that I, we we both like podcasting, but he's way into the weeds with windows stuff. My other co-host, Eric K. Johnson for the podcast review show. This guy is 30 years in radio. So he's much more, knowledgeable when it comes to shaping content where I'm kind of more the technical geek on that show. So, uh, but yet again, we both love podcasting. So we have things in common and then we have things where you pull each other's resources uh, to, uh, to then come together. So that's, I think what's made it uh, work for me at least. Jemmy is the same way on the Finding Florida show. Here we have a young African-American girl who grew up in the city. We got this old white guy who grew up in the country we have like nothing in common music wise or anything else wise, but the chemistry is there. And those differences is what really makes the show fun. Second thing is, and I, I think I've done this in every case is you hire somebody that's better than you always hire somebody that's smarter, funnier, wittier, 
better. They have more life experience. They're just, you consider them better than you. And, and in almost every case of a, my co-host, I consider, I think they're better than me. And I don't mind it when, when I get emails that say, I really love Jamie. She is so good on the morning show. And then they kind of mention me. <laughs> That's perfect because that means that I've done my job. My job is to make a good show. My job is not to be the one that always shines. But you always need that person. You need that co-host that can support the one that's better. And, you know, I don't give myself a lot of credit there, but I'm a better interviewer than she is. So when it comes to doing tough interviews, I take over. She's not a good interviewer, but yet she's just funny and smart and can tell a story better than anyone. So on the morning show, it really does work. I, I really do think I hired somebody that was funnier and a better storyteller than me, yet I, I'm a better interviewer. So when it comes down to the serious stuff, I think it comes back to me on that. But I truly believe in hire somebody that's smarter and funnier. Do not be afraid to get somebody that's better than you. Oh, absolutely. I've, I've been in some musical groups that I remember one, the, the keyboard player was just fabulous. And it was awesome that every solo wasn't a Dave solo. I could throw something to the keyboard player and it gave me a break. And I think that's really one of the things that's kind of the side effect. When you have somebody that you can just kind of throw it to and just let them run and do their thing. It's not all on you. And that's kind of a, a nice way to take the pressure off. And, and it, I think it keeps the fun in the podcast. Cause there are times when uh, with Jim, somebody will bring up a windows question and I'll just throw it at Jim and let him go. And I just sit back and listen and, and, and go, wow, that guy knows a lot about windows. And as long as it's not boring, which it's not, it's just more great content. That's right. And boy, the pr what you said about the pressure is so true. If there are shows that uh, we get a substitute co-host, somebody's out and, you know, they're not going to be the, to that level of the, your regular co-host you've done 1800 episodes with, you have to do more of the work. You know it by the end of that episode that you've done more of the work. And then I realize I don't want to do that every day. That's hard. I've had a situation once where uh, it also at, the more you work with each other, the more you can kind of read each other. And there'll be times when I'm trying to find a name or something has come up on a live show that the chat room has, has thrown me into something that I'm not quite prepared for. And I'll be like, hmm, I think it's this or that. And, and Jim can see that I'm Googling it and he will just jump in and kind of do some color commentary to give me like 30 seconds. That's all I need <laughs> to look something up. And that's the part I love is the fact that I don't have to look at him or give him a signal or something. He can just tell because we've worked, uh, we're now 200 episodes into this. He knows when it's like, okay, Dave needs a little help here because he can see what I'm doing. And uh, that's another advantage. And that's partly chemistry too. It's him having, he's intuitive enough to know mm -hmm. to do that, right? So, but it's part of the chemistry. It still comes yeah. back to that. But speaking of Googling things. Yes. Prepare, prepare, prepare. You're, I don't care how good you and your co-host are. And I know you've said this a thousand times and I just wanted to reiterate it. You've got to be prepared. You've got to have some material. You can tell when people are winging it. And you have to have the spontaneity, the spontaneity and you have to be able to be yourselves. So depending on what your show is, when you're working with a co-host, you need to prepare what you always say, get to the material quicker. You know, make sure you get to your content. But throughout that time, too, you don't want to be too scripted or the spontaneous stuff that ends up being gold, which is where the gold comes from is the spontaneous stuff. It ends up being gold. You, you'd never have the opportunity to get that. 
If you truly have chemistry with each other, then you're prepared. Like you've sat in on our morning show, which is an hour and a half, five days a week. And you were here. You sat in on one of those. You saw that we have, yes, it's mostly ad-libbed for an hour and a half, but we have a, we have a strict schedule. We know what we're going to talk about at 9.15. We don't write out what we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes, but we have every five, 10-minute block for the whole hour and a half scripted out. Not scripted out, but outlined of what we're going to do next. We're very well prepared. We're going to talk about this story, this story, this story, same as they would in radio, actually. Um, so we have that all outlined. So we're prepared. We probably spend four hours getting ready for each show that we do every morning, just with the preparation about guests and, and what we're going to talk about, and the stories we're going to cover. But that's all prepared. Yet, when you listen to the show, you would think that we're doing a lot of it off the cuff. You know, it's just what we're going to next. And you don't know that that we have it that well scripted. Yeah, I was amazed when I was there. You really have it. You know exactly where you're going. And I think that then makes it more at ease. You don't have to think about, oh, well, should we say this or that? You know right where you're going. And I think because you're then at ease, you then do have the ability to kind of just chill out and talk with each other and, and be spontaneous because you know right where you're going. And you also know when it's finished. Well, that's it. That's an important point because we know, okay, we're at the end of our 10 minutes. We might not be quite done or we could beat it to death, right. <laughs> uh, but, but we're on, we, we know we have to move on to the next thing. So we're not beating it to death. We're moving on. And it's probably was the best thing we ever did because we tend not to go too long on things. Then always leave them wanting more, not less. Yes, Don't turn into the Saturday night live skit. That would have been great at two minutes, but they dragged it out to five. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. Or 15 <laughs> Saturday Night Live's case. Compromise. God, I this is important in marriage. <laughs> it's important with your co-host. There have been many times when my co-hosts have come to me and said, I think this would be a good thing to do in the show. And I've gone, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I thought that. And in the beginning, 10 years ago, I probably would have said that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. Now I've learned better because a lot of those segments that they've said, I really want to try this. And I would have poo-pooed 10 years ago that we're now doing have become the most popular things. And I was absolutely wrong. So if you're going to have a co-host that you have good chemistry with, trust them. Trust them that when they come to you with an idea, don't be afraid to try it. Number six. Number five is compromise. Number six is don't be afraid to try new things. Try them. That's how our most popular segment, all of our shows, you, you sat in and I called Really Bad Ads, where listeners submit really bad Craigslist ads about horses for sale. We make fun of them for half an hour and it's hilarious. You listen to it on Fridays. That happened by accident. Just because my co-host said, hey, let's I got found some bad eggs in Craigslist. Can I read them today? I thought it was a ridiculous idea. It is the most popular half hour we do every week. And we get hundreds of submissions every week. People love really bad ads. There you go. Now, have you tried something that just tanked? Oh, yeah. You're going to do things that tank. And you'll know. I think you know, right, Dave? You've done things, too, that you probably went, okay, I didn't even like doing that. <laughs> you know, when you were done, you just went, Oh, I didn't, that, that just didn't work. It didn't work for me. It probably didn't work for the audience. And you don't get any feedback on it. And you're just not excited about it. And when if you're not excited about a segment that you've tried, just yeah. move on. I remember once I did a segment and I had two people say, please don't do that again. And I went, that's all I need. Two people, that's, that might as well be 2,000. <laughs> I was like, all right, message received. I will not do that again. Yeah. Yeah, just just move on. If you're not excited about it, they're not excited about it. And they know. They just know. 
but don't be afraid to try to and and the spontaneous things sometimes turn into your best things that you're going to do on the show and they're going to become regular segments they're going to there it's not something you plan in improvisational theater we say the funniest stuff is not anything that was planned it just happens finally this is the ultimate i call it the wake up test you've been working for somebody for a while and you wake up in the morning and you're excited to record your show that day with that person if you have a wake-up test. The wake-up test is you wake up in the morning and you go, you know, I'm kind of dreading doing the show today. And it's because you're working with that person. You just realize that I'm just not excited to work with that person as much anymore. Bail, because the audience knows. Your numbers are probably going down anyway. The audience knows when you two aren't sinking anymore and it's time to bail. Uh, we had uh, one case where we had five shows in the network and this the, the, there was a, a host that hosted three of them. And I just wasn't feeling it anymore. And one day I finally woke up and said, look, uh, we just got to part ways. And she was hosting three. I had to find co-hosts for all the shows. I had to scramble. It was the best move I ever made. Because I, I, the next day I woke up and said, I'm excited about doing this again. So I don't know if you agree with that, but I call it the wake-up test. Well, I can see that. W- was there ever a thought of, shouldn't you give them a chance to, you know, let me tell you what's annoying about you. But on the other hand, if they're just being themselves... You're asking right. them to not you be just themselves. Your own question. Yeah. yeah. You so. just answered your own question. <laughs> the chemistry is not going to change, right? Yeah. Um, it's either there or not. And chemistry can change, as anybody that's been divorced knows. <laughs> chemistry can change over time, right? I'm not picking on you, Dave. Yeah. Uh, chemistry can change over time uh, with anybody. And so do, don't be afraid to recognize that either. Yeah. Your audience probably has recognized it long before you did. Mm. That's true. So there's my seven things about co-hosts and uh, coming back to the most important. If you can't go to dinner with them, if you can't go on a cruise with them, if you can't go on vacation with them, if you don't see yourself doing that, then they're not the right person. And and I mentioned that at PodFest last year in my keynote. And that's the thing I got the most comments on from people throughout the year was they remembered that. And that's what they used as their criteria for picking their co-host. It'll save you a lot of time and effort in the future and probably a lot of money. And headaches. And headaches. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, if you want to go listen to Glenn, he's got how many shows do you have over there now? We have 17 on the network now. <laughs> um, uh, if you want to try it and you're not really into horses a whole lot, probably the best one is horses in the morning. It's fun. It's entertaining. You don't have to be totally into horses. It's just we talk about life and and uh, life with horses, but horses in the morning. And if you totally just want to have a blast, go to Finding Florida Podcast. I don't care if you live in Florida or not. You're just going to have a blast. <laughs> uh, you'll hear me breaking ribs in the one episode that we caught that on audio. When I broke my ribs, that's on audio. And uh, we yeah, the phone picked that up it. great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. You hear the cracking and everything. <laughs> I do want to ask you one question before I let you get out the door. Yeah, because you, I've heard you say this, and I don't think I have you recorded saying this. One of your most profitable shows is also one of the smallest audiences. Is that correct? But it's the it's a very targeted audience for a specific niche. Okay. So the people listening to that are tend to be some of our most affluent listeners, mm. and it's very targeted. So uh, we have another show now that's even less smaller than that. It's one of our affiliate shows. It's owned by somebody else. We produce it. It is targeted, and it probably has about five hundred listeners. But he has advertisers galore on that show because they want to target those five hundred people. That's the five hundred people they want. And they're willing to pay to target that 500 people. 
So, it, you know, it's not always audio. It's what I always say. It's not about the numbers. It's about are your sponsors getting the results they want, targeting the people you do have. And in several cases with ours, it's a smaller audience, but they're the exact audience that those people are looking for. Nice. It's that audience. Beautiful. Love that dude. Glenn Hebert. Find him over at horseradionetwork.com. Find him at uh, findingfloridapodcast.com. And I wanted to share something real quick here as we get out the door. Like I said, I'll definitely be talking more about my experiences at Social Media Marketing World next week. And that is, if I told you there was a race car driver who 16% of the time when they started a race wrecked, or shall we say they did not finish, would you hire them knowing that 16% of the time they're not going to finish? How would you like to uh, have somebody who was in 191 races and won zero? Would you think they're a very good racer? How about if they only led 0.12% of the laps that they were in and they were in thousands of laps? They only led not 12%, 0.12%. However, uh, here's another one. Their best finish out of all the people that raced was 24th. That is a long way from first. That's interesting, right? Now, you might have heard me say, did I say a her in there? Yeah, we're talking about a her. Danica Patrick is not the very first woman to ever race in NASCAR. There was actually somebody before her, but she's kind of known. She broke down a lot of doors for women in racing. And those are her stats. And you might go, Wow, she was awful. In fact, there's even a Facebook group dedicated. It's like Danica Patrick stinks. It's like a Facebook group of just haters. And, but that's, so those are the stats. Now, if we looked at that, you could say, well, she was awful. Good riddance. Holy cow. And this is my point. Stats are not the only way you measure your podcast. When people say things like, I've only got 80 downloads. My background in teaching, I divide everything by 20. That's four classrooms of people. That's half a hallway of the old building where I used to work. In a world of HBO and Cinemax and Showtime and AM, FM, satellite radio and DVDs and Hulu and Netflix, they're choosing to listen to you. So check this out. Here's some other stats. So she didn't win any races out of 191. She, she did not finish. Can we just say wrecked? Because she did that a lot. Her last her, her last race, she wrecked 16% of the time. She only led 0.12% of the time. Finished 24th was the best. However, she has a very strong fan base and was voted the IndyCar Series most popular driver from 2005 to 2010. And the NASCAR Nationwide Series most popular driver in 2012. Uh Danica Patrick was voted the favorite female athlete at the Kids' Choice Awards in 2008, 2012, and 2013. So she was popular. Oh, yeah. And one more thing. In 2017, she was the number three top-earning female athlete, coming in at just $9.2 million. So she didn't win any races. Didn't lead many laps, wrecked 16% of the time, and she was laughing all the way to the bank. So my point here is, I was at, uh, as I said, Social Media Marketing World, and somebody mentioned how 
that their stats, sometimes they get obsessed over that. And in the end, their stats didn't really go up a whole lot, but their engagement with their audience did. So there's more than one way to measure the popularity, the resonating, is that even the resonance of your podcast? than just stats. Now, if you would like to start a podcast that engages your audience, come join me at schoolpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code listener. That's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, listener. And the only way you can get that coupon code is by listening. And I thank you for listening to 48 minutes and 20 seconds of me. It's my way of saying thank you. I do look forward to working with you. There are so many ways we can work together. You can join the School of Podcasting. You can work with me one-on-one. I have a new mentorship program that I'll be talking about in the future. Check it out. Go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start or schoolofpodcasting.com slash work with me. And I look forward to working with you. In the future, we've got some insights again from Social Media Marketing World. I took lots of notes and I want to process those before I share them with you. And uh, that's what will be coming up in the future as well as wait to hear about some of the people that are going to be coming on the show. That's going to be very, very cool. And of course, whatever you want to talk about. So thank you so much for tuning in. Until then, I hope to see you on this inside. Class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. God bless.